1: In just a few moments you're going to hold communion in your hands and let me tell you when you pick that little piece of bread out of that tray and you pick that little cup of juice out of that tray when you pick it up you are proclaiming that Jesus is the Christ the son of the living God Jesus is the King of all kings. He's the Lord of all lords. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and there is no other. That's what you're proclaiming.
0: Welcome to Lift Up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch.
1: take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and 11. And I want to speak to you on this subject, worthy and unworthy. Now, whenever I tell people I'm a preacher, they always ask me two questions. Question number one, what is the name of your church? And I have a place for that in your note. I want you to go ahead, just go ahead, write down the name of our church. Just, just write it down, best you can. Most of you can't spell shepherd, but you write it down. Uh, here's the correct spelling of our church, Shepherd. There's no there's not two P's or two H's and there's not an A. It's just two E's. Shep Heard, okay? Our website is Shepherdchurch.com. So that's question number one. Question number two is this. What kind of church is Shepherd Church? Now I know what they're asking me. They're asking me, is this a Catholic church? Is it a Presbyterian church? Is it a Pentecostal church? Is it a four-square church? Is it an evangelical church? Is it a Baptist church? Is it a Southern Baptist church? Is it an independent Baptist church? What kind of church is it? And here's the answer. I want you to write this down. I tell this to people. It is a Christian church. Uh, And uh, it's the last three letters, I-A-N. I-A-N points back to the subject matter, which is Christ. This church belongs to Christ. And so the thing that really sets this church apart, one of the things... We focus on this book and our church patterns itself after the church that is found in the book of Acts, the New Testament church. Now, one of the things that was unique about the church in the New Testament and what's unique about our church is the centrality and the importance of something called communion and the weekly Observance of communion. We know that communion was central to the church and the New Testament. There's a couple of different texts I want to show them to you. Number one is in the book of Acts. Uh, just, just look on the screen if you would in Acts chapter 2, verse 38 through 42. This was the first day of the church on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell. 3,000 people got baptized. And at the end of that text in verse 42, it says that they, those 3,000 folks who got baptized, they devoted themselves to four things. Number one was to the apostles' teaching. Number two was to fellowship. Number three was to communion, or what the Bible describes as the breaking of bread. And number four is to praying. So communion was one of the four things that the early church, every time they met together, they participated in what's called the Lord's Supper or communion. Do you, do you, do you understand that? Let me show you the second verse. Acts chapter 20 verse 7 it tells us that on the first day of the week now we know that when jesus christ resurrected from the grave on sunday that that becomes the first day of the week that becomes the day that the early church meets and that's why even today we meet on sunday but the early church on the first day of the week they they met together and one of the reasons why they met together was to take again what's called communion it's one of the things that sets this church apart from most churches in that some churches only do communion once a month some churches only do communion once every three months some churches do communion twice a year some churches do it quarterly some churches do it once a year and some churches don't even do communion period but here at shepherd because we pattern ourselves after the church in the new testament we serve communion each and every service here you need to know that now we come to chapter 10 and chapter 11 you are now entering into five chapters and all five chapters deal with issues that were going on in the corinthian church having to do with their worship service there's one word that sums up the worship services in corinth write this word down it's the word chaotic in our text paul is concerned that the people who are participating are participating in an un worthy manner. Now I have to say this, this is very serious. In one regard, none of us are worthy. Except Jesus made us worthy for what he did on the cross. So we're kind of, none of us are worthy yet we're worthy because of what Jesus did. And yet, there were people that were taking communion in an unworthy manner. Here's the verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. Paul wrote, Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Look at verse 17 and 18, chapter 11. In the following directives, I have... No praise for you. For your church services do more harm than good. Verse 18. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe what I'm hearing Five major points. Number one, write this down. There should be unity when you take communion. Communion is an individual thing, and in that each of us participate individually, but it is also a corporate thing, and that the entire church is going to take communion in just a few moments. Now, we read in the scriptures over and over again that the church is supposed to be united united in its purpose, united in its doctrine united in its caring for one another the bible says that when one person hurts that we should all hurt that when one person rejoices we should all what we should all rejoice we're also united by the fact that we've all benefited from what jesus christ did on the cross that jesus when he went to the cross that he died for all of us he he went to that cross he died so that all of our sins could be forgiven All of our sins could be washed away. When Jesus died to provide salvation, did he die to provide salvation just for you? Or for everyone who's here? Which is it? For everyone. And doesn't it make sense that if Jesus died on that cross for all of us so that we can all go to heaven where we will all live for all of eternity? Doesn't it seem kind of silly that we can't get along here in the church? And I will tell you this. I've told you this before. One of the most treasured possessions of any church is our unity. We have to protect our unity above all things. Even if you have the right doctrine, you go to a church, man, we have the best doctrine. If you can't get along with each other, no one's going to care about your doctrine when they see you can't get along with one another. Number two, write this down. There should be thanksgiving. Verse 23, for I received from the Lord what I also received unto you. I passed on to you the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed. He took bread and verse 24, before he did anything else, he just picked up a loaf of bread and the first thing that he did, setting an example for us, is he gave thanks And then he broke it. I believe that communion is something that should warm your soul. Uh, You should have gratitude and thankfulness. Your hands should almost be shaking because of the sacredness and the holiness. And then you start to think about all that Christ did for you and you start to realize that it should have been you who died on that cross. You can't help but be thankful. Amen. Number three, there should be a remembrance. A remembrance in verse 24. He said, when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body. When you hold, I know it's just a little piece of bread. I mean, you, we can't find a smaller piece of bread. It's like you couldn't cut it with a, ra- a laser. It's so small. But you hold that little piece of bread, and he said, this is my body. That little piece of bread symbolizes his body that was sacrificed, which is for you. And all he asked is do this in remembrance of me. Don't forget what I did for you on that cross. And verse 25, in the same way, after supper, see that after supper, even when the Lord instituted the Lord's supper, it was that they ate and then they, they did the Lord's supper after supper. It says, verse 25, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. You should try to see in your mind, Jesus on that cross. You're holding that which represents his body. And just see his body up on that cross. See the nails that go into his hand. You're holding in your hands the cup of juice. See the crown of thorns that is placed upon his brow. And see if you can't hear the words, It is finished. And see if you can't visualize the earthquake and the bolt of lightning across the sky. And to realize that jesus when he went to that cross that he did it in your place and in my place and as you take communion there shouldn't be anything else in your mind except you you should be pushing everything out of your mind except one thing reminding yourself that jesus loved you so much that he died and he forgave you on that through that atoning blood through the death of christ that your sins have been forgiven and that one day you get to go to heaven, you should be, as you take, you should be thinking about all of that. That's what you should be thinking about. The next point is this. There should be a proclamation. Verse 26 says that whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim. Everyone say proclaim. proclaim. You, what does that word mean? It means that you preach. It means that you announce, you're proclaiming that you believe that when Jesus died, that he died for the sins of the entire world. You're proclaiming that. Now in Corinth, you're not going to believe this. There were people in the church during the week, they were walking up the hill going to that evil, wicked Demonic temple of Aphrodite, and they were making sacrifices to the false god, and then going inside the temple and engaging in sex with male and female prostitutes, which was the culture in Corinth. And then you're not going to believe what happened on Sunday some of those people would come back down the hill and go to the little Christian church and participate in the Lord's Supper. We know that. That's a little bit the context of chapter 10. I want to read two verses in chapter 10, verse 20 and 21. Here's what he says. No, the sacrifices of pagans, those of you that are going to the temple of Aphrodite, those sacrifices are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. And here it is in verse 21. It can't get any clearer than this. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. And what he's saying is this. Here's what he's saying. There's only one true God. You have to decide which God you're going to serve. You can't serve both. In Corinth, they were trying to serve both. And Paul simply says you can't serve two God. You can't serve God and money. You can't serve God and fame. You can't serve God and political correctness at the same time. You can't serve God and pleasure. In just a few moments, you're going to hold communion in your hands, and let me tell you, when you pick that little piece of bread out of that tray, and you pick that little cup of juice out of that tray, when you pick it up, you are proclaiming that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus is the King of all kings. He's the Lord of all lords. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And there is no other. That's what you're proclaiming. Number five, there should be a self-examination. You see, I can't examine you, you can't examine me. That's why we at our church is called an open communion. There's some churches you can't, they won't let you take it. Uh, They decide who gets to take it. Here we have what's called open which means anybody can take it. Except before you take it you have to have a self-examination. Verse 27, 28, 29. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner We'll be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Verse 28. Here it is. A man and a woman. A man ought to examine himself. What's the next word? Before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. Look at verse 29. Verse 29. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. As we close, I want to give you five, five things that you know if you're taking communion in an unworthy manner. Number one, if it's a ritual. If it comes down the row and you pick it up and you take it and it just goes on and it's just something you do week after week and it just has become a ritual to you and you no longer understand all the things that I've talked about today, you are taking communion in an unworthy manner. If you're not thinking about what he did and remembering him, expressing your gratitude, almost trembling, understanding the holiness of this moment. Number two, write this down. If you're living in sin, If you're living in sin and then you take communion, you are taking communion in an unworthy manner. I was listening to KKLA this week to Frank Sontag's show. He was here last night, sat front row. He had some preacher on the show this week, and the preacher was talking about if a bird lands on your head, that's one thing. How many of you birds kinda of like swoop down near you? Well, that, well we've all had that. What was that? It was a bird. Okay, okay. He's gone. But if the bird builds a nest in your hair in your on your head, that's your fault. You can't blame the bird for that your sin is everywhere but if you're letting it build a nest on your head that's on you number three if you don't believe if you don't believe that jesus is the christ the son of the living god and he's not your lord and he's not your savior do not participate just let it go down the road you let the offering plate go down the road that doesn't bother you Oh, here comes communion oh I'm taking communion oh that's I'm doing that I'm taking that now wait a minute you just let the offering plate go by that might even be a sign that you shouldn't be taking communion maybe I don't know all I'm saying is if you're here and you don't believe in your heart that Jesus is the Christ you're not a believer don't take it don't drink damnation on yourself let it go by number four bitterness if you have any bitterness in your heart towards anybody you can't sit here and take communion while you're mad at your husband or mad at your spouse which well i could never take communion then i'll never be able to (laughs) well hey we're getting somewhere that's the point you're supposed to learn how to get along you're supposed to have unity in this church we need unity in this church and number five if you're not under if you're not aware that one day the lord jesus christ is going to return because back up in that verse i think it's verse 26 it says that you proclaim the lord's death until he returns so here's the deal This is kind of weird I, i i have two eyes up here i got one eyeball you see my eye i don't know if i can do this I got one eyeball looking that way. I'm looking back at what Jesus Christ did for me when I take communion. But I got another eyeball looking forward because I'm only doing this until he comes. Are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? So, so you see, we just got these emblems, but one day he will be here face to face i'm only doing this until he gets here amen now the orthodox jewish the orthodox jewish family during passover they have this dinner called the seder and at the seder they're all going to sit around the table and eat they always have an empty chair whole tables full but they put one empty chair right before they eat they say to the firstborn son go outside and see if elijah is on his way because they believe that when elijah comes it's the sign that the messiah is on his way you came to church right before you walked into church you should have stopped and looked up and thought maybe this is the day I don't see him, but I'm going to go in here now and take communion until he gets here. And then you take communion, waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ to return.
0: It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. Four seven seven seven. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach.
2: We live in the most distracted culture in the history of the world. We see about 10,000 messages every day. We even touch our phones about 2,000 times a day. We're literally being overwhelmed with information. That's why there's no better time than right now for Dudley Rutherford's remarkable new book, One Thing, Rediscover a Simpler Faith in Our Complicated World. In this timely book, Pastor Dudley invites you to open your Bible and look closely at seven key passages of scripture where you'll find the beautifully uncomplicated phrase, One Thing. These scriptures will quiet all the noise that you're hearing and call you back to a simpler faith. Dudley Rutherford has discovered the secret of how to focus our lives on the one thing that matters. What if you could find that simplicity? It's waiting out there, and this is your roadmap to freedom. Contact Lift Up Jesus today and get your copy of One Thing, the book that could finally change everything.
0: I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.